He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of the Portuguese Football Show. It's the final episode of the 2020-2021 season. It was the final day of the season today. There was lots going on both at the top of the table in terms of European places and also the relegation battle which myself and Philippe I've spoken about uh, near on every single week for the past couple of months. And before I dive into the episode, I just want to say to everyone who's listened to this season, um, we started halfway through the campaign, so we didn't get a full uh, League of Nosh campaign. But thank you to everyone that's listened, shared. Um, today's episode will probably be a shorter one as a sign-off, but we've got lots of... Lots of interesting things coming up soon, the European Championships podcast. But as I say, just before I start, I'd like to say thanks to everyone who's contributed to the podcast in any way, uh, asked any questions, shared it with the friends, reviewed it. Um, we entered the charts quite a few times. So for our first season, we're really proud of, of what we've been able to achieve, hopefully next season, especially with fans back in the stadium. And hopefully it's just... Um, Better, always striving to do better. So yeah, just wanted to start off with a, uh, a thank you. <laughs> and quirky point, thank you to you too, mate. Like people don't know, but honestly, the only thing I do on this podcast is come in, <laughs> say a few things, and everything <laughs> like uh, editing and stuff is you. So fair play to you, mate. Well done. <laughs> yeah, but I have to lean on your your tactical expertise. So it's like a it's a trade <laughs> deal. I edit the podcast and and make sure it sounds good, and you provide the uh, the content. So it it works. And um, so yeah, we'll get straight into it. We'll start off at the bottom of the table. Uh, it was obviously last day of the season. The majority of the games kicked off at eight o'clock. We had the exception with the Porto game, which kicked off slightly earlier. And then, obviously, there was the game which uh, took place yesterday as well with Passos de Ferreira. And then we had the Sporting game, which kicked off a little bit later tonight. But, as I say, the bulk of the fixtures uh, kicked off at 8 o'clock. You had Rioav, Friends and Nacional uh, in 16th, 17th and 18th. And Friends, who unfortunately uh, went down... They were probably the, without any bias, the one team that we were sort of rooting for because, as we say on this podcast time and time again, they do try to play football the right way. And I think that does have to be encouraged. But in the end, I texted you, Philippe, when I think it might have been when the third goal went in and basically just said that they've got no one to blame but themselves, really. They've had so many opportunities in games uh, where they've, they've had the lead and Perhaps the other the other team has been down to ten men and sort of the ball's been in Ferenza's court a little bit, uh, but they just couldn't make it pay. And then today they come up against uh, Santa Clara, who were a, a team on a mission, and we'll come to them uh, it, it shortly because that's a fantastic story that obviously we're going to cover. But just to keep it at the bottom of the table, so as I say, Ferenza. It went down. Philippe's pick, quite an early pick as well. Gio Avi said they'd be in danger when 
when they weren't particularly in danger. They so were the proud fixtures of coming up. On that one. <laughs> and I, I think you actually might have said as well. You didn't. You, I don't think you picked them for automatic relegation, but no, you yeah, thought they'd be definitely I, I in the conversation. National Maritime and then Chihuahua. Yes, to, yeah, to yeah. So you got two out of three, three. right? It's, and and Maritime, to be fair, they they could have been, <laughs> they could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, every time they were getting a good result, I was texting you like, yeah. "I told you, I told you." But yeah, they they um yeah, one point actually was the difference. So. Rio finished on 34 and Maritimo finished on 35. In terms of the relegation, Philippe, we, we pretty much got it there or thereabouts. <laughs> uh, we had a feeling that both, well, I had a feeling that both Madeira clubs wouldn't be relegated and both haven't been. Rio um, now, obviously, they're not relegated yet. There's a, you know, there's a massive chance that they're playing Premier League of Football next season. It all comes down to a relegation promotion playoff. Which will be hugely entertaining to watch. I, I'll be I'll be tuning into that. Um, we don't know who they're coming up against yet. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, we don't know their opposition. Between yeah. Vizela, Aroca, and Academica. Yeah, it probably so, be Aroca, but we'll, we'll still wait to see until Saturday. Saturday or Sunday. We'll see. It's a massive game. There's a lot of both fans. Obviously, with the fans coming back into the stadium, fingers crossed for next season. There's that side of it, and you know, having the status of being a Premier League outfit, but it's also the financial um the financial impact that comes with being a, a top flight club and that backing and being able to go into the season knowing you can, you know, try and push for the top half, possibly even a Europa uh, conference league place now with this sort of uh, third rate UEFA competition, which again we'll come to. Um, but yeah, you, no one wants to be in the Segunda Liga. So that'll be um, that'll be a massive game and obviously the teams in the Segunda whoever they come up against whether it is Academica or Ruka they'll be you know the impetus is there for them as well they want to come up and play top flight football and rub shoulders with the likes of Sporting Benfica Porto Braga whoever it may be so really looking forward to that one um, I say it's it's it is sad to see friends I mean only one season up and back down but and this end, season as well. Do you know what I mean? Like going up on a season that the fans cannot go to watch not even one game is it's so feels so unfair for Ferenc and us, you know. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the entire season of, of by the time the fans go back in, there'll be a Segunda Liga outfit and again, the last yeah, time last they watched time them they basically went, they went the Segunda so. and now they're gonna go watch them again in the Segunda Liga. It's 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 crazy. That is crazy. And we could do I a think... podcast in the future just about them, just to know what went wrong. Yeah, yeah. And it, it would be interesting, to be honest, to get a bit of insight into into perhaps someone who works at the club or, or, or plays for the club. So that'll be something that we'll we'll try and pursue. Um, be interesting to see what happens with them next year. And then obviously the main man, be interesting to see what happens with, with Ryan Gold because um, there was a bit of confusion regarding whether... There was a clause that they could activate uh, to sort of trigger another uh, another year, but it's pretty much being confirmed that he is a f- free agent because there was apparently a fee attached as well. But I've spoke to a couple of people who were close to him, uh, and they've said, "Yeah, he he's free. There's no fee there, so it, it's literally just a end the contract, and he he'll go to someone else." It's been quite a few rumored clubs, personally. Just in interest of of me, um, 
wanting to keep the interest <laughs> uh, a player like that in the league I'd rather he stay in Portugal but that's just me being selfish uh, you know for him he could go sort of there's quite a few clubs who've been in for him around Europe but some of the names and in comparison to names like Braga, you think the best bet would actually, I don't know, obviously financially in terms of wages and stuff going to another country. Portugal obviously can't offer him the greatest sort of pay packet in the world, but if he wants to stay in the country that he's called home for the past however many years, he speaks the language fluently. And obviously Braga are playing Europa League football next season, so there's that. So we'll see what happens. I hope it's a good move. Uh, he seems like the type of player who goes... And the type of person who go really where not where the money is, but where you know the the best interests best interests in furthering his own sort of footballing career. Um, so yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens with him. But do you think Philippe just on the on aside from him? Do you think he just didn't have enough to get over the line? I think defensively was a was a big problem. Um, the the beginning was terrible, and, and that's why I think it'll be interesting us doing a podcast on these two teams because I th- honestly think the beginning of the seasons was, and especially for Ens, I think they went seven or eight games without a, a win. Yeah, um, in, had the impact from not being them not been playing since March. So basically, they spent six months without playing a game until the mm-hmm. from the because obviously Segunda Division last year they stopped in March because of COVID. They didn't, they didn't come back to play. So I think that. There was a big, a long period of time where they didn't actually play. Then when they came back, they feel they, the feeling was they were not really there, especially on Ferenc's case. And then, especially the last few games, and, and I think a good example of it was the game against Vitória de Guimarães, where they were winning 2-1 at home, playing against 10, mm-hmm. and they conceded the equalizer in a stupid way because they're not able to keep keep results. Game management. Yeah, it was, it was, was very, very bad. And... And then because player by player, I think they they could have stayed up. I, I like the team. I like Ryan Gold. I like Pedro Henrique, the striker. Uh, mm-hmm. I like uh, even in even in mid season. I like a player called Jonathan Luca, which <laughs> he was out of the squad for like two or three months because he tried a panenka and and they end up not winning the game against Pulmans. And I'm thinking if you're gonna put a play out because he tries a panenka and doesn't score. <laughs> Unless yeah. you you got the other new your plays Aguero, you're not gonna do that. So no. I don't think that's that's very good for obviously for the team environment either. But they they have Cesar, which is a good centre back. They have Abner, which is a good left back. Now they have Betwin goal, which is a very very good goalkeeper. Very experienced. Yeah, so I think maybe the sacking of of uh, of Sergio Vieira was not the best idea if they could have chosen I don't think Josh Costa really improved I think is a it was a too dramatic of a change of uh, how they played before and now they start playing styles yeah, yeah. so it's not it's there not was like, not really yeah. an idea there how to how to go forward in terms of Ryan Gold um yes he's been talks about Poland going to Legia even uh, Olympiacos in Greece Greece to be fair Olympiacos would be a good move for him if he actually comes about um, in Portugal, every year, yeah, more in, or less. In Portugal, I don't see him fit Porto, even though if we don't know if Sergio Conceição is going to stay or not. But I don't see him fit the type. If, if we think that Sergio Conceição is going to stay, I don't see him fitting that style. In in Benfica, I don't I don't see a place for him either. In Sporting, no, no it would be the best fit. But where and I see probably for where Pedro Gonçalves plays, but then he doesn't have the. 
the short pace to go in behind that Pedro Gonçalves has to to push the, the centre backs uh, back. So I, I don't think uh, it would be easy for him to go to Sporting. But Braga, yes, Braga, I see him fitting. If Carvalhal stays, I see him fitting. Yeah, that's perfectly. a big factor, isn't it? Kiyoav, a team that we we knew was sort of going to get themselves into this predicament because it felt like in the middle of the season, in the early part of the middle of the season, um, when they should have been really picking up results, they weren't. And then you summed it up perfectly when uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. You said, you can't just keep going into the match week thinking you'll pick up three points, you'll pick up three points, because eventually you're going to run into a, a series of fixtures where you're not expected to pick anything up, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, when you put picked them up, when they were maybe 13th or 14th, might have been 15th, and said, like, over the next course of the week, they play, I think it was, like, four of the top seven in the league. So they were playing teams where you were expected to get beat so it just it felt like they didn't pick up enough points against the teams around them which aren't so obvious to say because that's usually sort of what happens with those relegation threatened teams but especially in the first half of the season I mean starting off your campaign with with a 10-11 defeat on penalties to AC Milan yeah. after previously eliminating um, Besiktas who were like you know, that's that's no easy feat. They're a huge club with huge weight of expectation. You know, one of the biggest clubs in Turkey. And then you come up against AC Milan. You have chances, so many chances to win the title. one as well, minute away from it. If it so wasn't a penalty ridiculous. at the end oh, um, from uh, Boro, Borovsevsky or whatever the, the name of they, the had, they had about the, There was like three opportunities to where you thought, yeah, and then that, that penalty at the end. Oh. But then, as I say, going... Going out on penalties, 11 10. Even the penalty shootout itself was so dramatic, it wasn't like it was, it was done like straight away. Something penalties felt, yeah, felt like 21 penalties, felt like it went on for an eternity. And and then it, you, you thought, obviously, you played some, I mean, like class them as like pre season games, they're so early, those qualifying games. But after that, it felt like they. They just couldn't really kick into gear, and in the end, they caught up with them. And I think just that second half of the season, trying to make up for you touched on it before the early part of the season really killed these teams at the bottom. And then obviously National, we've we've covered National at the end of the day. They just didn't have enough to 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 stay in the division. But if if we know anything about National, is that they'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> they will be back, yeah. whether it's next year or the season after. They will regroup. Probably get another manager in. Um, they'll always sure have three, get another manager in. three or four players in uh, who who are exciting for the Segunda Liga, which Nacional always do. They always have good players in there. And then they'll come up, probably bring in loads of new faces, and then and then sort of try and restart the project again. Um, but yeah, oh, quickly, yeah, quickly on those two teams. I think uh, Nacional. A word about Ruben Mikael, which is uh, it was his last game today as well, so he finished his career. Uh, and I think in Nacional, there was one thing that I think made a big impact. It was the obviously the z- disease of uh, Daniel Guimarães, which was, uh, I think, cancer. Um, yeah. And he was the, the best keeper in there by, by a mile, um, which I, I made a massive impact. Because they yeah. have good players as well, especially Riascos and, uh, and Brian Rochez. They, they are players to be in the first division easy. In Riwav, mm-hmm. yes, it was a poor. The way they con- they made that 
that his, their team was, was not good enough. Obviously, there's a lot of falls. They don't have a proper striker. Obviously, they try with uh, Jelson Dalla up front alone. She doesn't really fit him uh, because they have good players. Obviously, Giralds, uh, Dalla, Mané, um, Gabrielzinho. They have a very, very good team. But the idea of always, and there was the same mistake going over and over again. So the way they're trying to play out from the back is depending a lot on the two center mids, which was normally Philippe Augusto or Pelé, which are very good players, but they don't have intensity to cover the spaces, uh, kind of a Pelinha player, to cover that area if they lose the ball. And so many times they got caught out because the center backs were really yeah. far apart from each other. The ball comes back in the middle, and that was the trigger for the other teams to press. So I think it was silly mistakes because. It's naive, it's, isn't it, yeah. to not change up and, the approach? And Miguel Cardoso is a manager that he done so well at Riov. And to be, when I was at uni, he, he, he went and done a couple of sessions with us. And, and I love him so, so much. And But the through is he, he tries always the same thing. And he didn't work in mm. Celta, he didn't work in Greece. Obviously, and so far, I haven't worked in Riov as well because I think it, it's hard for him to adapt to the plays he has. If he has the players mm-hmm. perfectly to fit what he wants to do, amazing. And he works because his sessions are very, very good. But if the, he doesn't have those players, he, he, he doesn't adapt to what he has in front of him. And that's a big flaw, in my view. And mm-hmm. in the playoff, I, I think Fizel will go through straight away. So I think it will be between Aroca and, and Academica. It will not be easy because Aroca is a very organized team. And they will know when to press. And Academica, it might be by name, sounds they would be the hardest opponents, but I think it will be easier for a team like Hua because Academica doesn't press as high. So, yeah. We'll see. It will be fun, though. And in the way, it's going to be super fun to watch them. Yeah, definitely. And, and what you've got to factor in as well is you can talk about 11 v 11 and, and um, the actual two teams and sort of what the fixture means. But at the end of the day, if you've got one, momentum in football is so big. And if you, you're you one team that's spent basically the entire season either winning or drawing every week, and then you've got yourself in a position where you can see, you know, sort of the, the, the goal ahead, and then you've got another team who've sort of fell away and, and just haven't had a good season at all, that affects confidence, that affects how it is on the day-to-day in a training round. And and we've spoken in the past about the Bundesliga and how many teams uh, successfully went up. And it was something daft. It was like twice out of the last 20 years or something like that. But I think in Portugal, it's it's I think it's slightly different because I think we've saw in the cup this season with the likes of Estoril eliminating teams out of Premier League outfits out of the Test of Portugal that the gap seems to be shortening it's 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 um if that's the phrase yeah like it's it's it seems to be that the teams at the bottom of the premier and the teams at the top of segunda are, are really 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 close whereas in all the other divisions the gap and the gulf is still there like it'd be one not to be missed i think people do need to tune into it because that is not a foregone foregone conclusion you can see the likes of Uruka pulling up pulling it off if 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 they get the opportunity to obviously we don't know who it will be but um one thing we do know is that Rio Ave will be there and they have to focus on that now. They'll have to 
fight for their lives and just make sure that they're there next season. So, did you say that that game is on? Is it on Saturday? Uh, to know who's gonna go to the playoff in the Second Liga, I think it's Saturday because Saturday, Sunday is yeah. the the cup final. So I think they put the games, the last round of games, on on Saturday. So yeah, blessing for them. Yeah, and then top half of the table, I am. It feels like we're just missing out. Uh, everyone from like <laughs> from like the middle bit down. But the after shout out to uh, Santa Clara because absolutely fantastic achievement. They managed to um, finish it in the Europa UEFA Europa Conference League uh, second qualifying round, which is an absolute brilliant achievement. Those who are listening who know a lot about Santa Clara will know what a brilliant story this is. Those who aren't too too aware of them, I'd say the first thing to do is go onto your phone and just type in uh, Azores and actually find out where it is. Uh, you'd be pleasantly <laughs> surprised to see that it's not part of mainland Portugal. Uh, I saw someone put on Twitter, um, I think it was the most Eastern team in Europe who would be in the competition and said if they played against... Uh, Santa Clara, like the miles, the air oh, miles yeah. of the distance. Um, so yeah, the absolutely. But yeah, what a story! It's amazing. Yeah, there's there's the there's a couple of pictures on our Twitter at Prosimajonada one. You can go over and see like the um, the players celebrating with flares and stuff at the end, and then um, yeah, like the sort of the video of 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 um, yeah the celebrations at the end. So absolutely brilliant, and then that sort of moves us on to. To the other team who qualified, we spoke uh, about them on a podcast that we didn't upload. We spoke about Pastor Freire. Again, they've also qualified. Uh, they go into the Europa Conference Fair qualifying round. Yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, yes. So they are two two rounds away. So I think you, if you win the Euro, if you win the third qualifying round, you then go into the playoff round. The playoff round is where teams from the top five leagues will enter because everyone has to play a qualifier no matter what league you're playing there's no group there's no automatic group stage entrance for this competition so the likes of at the moment in England would it be Tottenham I think it'd be Tottenham or it'd be someone possibly uh, in France I know at the moment it's it's Lens in Germany it's Union Berlin but it could easily be Munchen Gladbach depending on what happens on the last day those teams go into the playoff round which is where hopefully Passos and Santa Clara will be if they win one and two games so yeah get to that playoff round that's when you'll be coming up against um, sort of the, the, the really big teams but then you win that you can play in this new competition that will have big names in it I've just mentioned a couple of them there like some Munchen Gladbach Lawns, Tottenham Hotspur so it'll be very very exciting to see what happens and it would be great to see uh, a club from the islands representing Portugal in, in UEFA competition. So, a brilliant story all round. Um, and then, to be honest, we'll, as we've touched on it there, Braga have qualified for the Europa League group stage. Uh, so there's no qualifier involved there. Carlos Carvial's if he's there next season, his men will be in the Europa League. We spoke about them quite a lot on the podcast this season in terms of what it actually meant for their performance, and it it worked in the sort of in the opposite way at times, didn't it? It felt like when they had games to occupy them, and when they got into that rhythm of playing on the weekend or the back end of the weekend, and then playing in the Europa League and. And then it's sort of when they came out of the competition, they lost a little bit of their of their rhythm. 
Um, they're a team who will recruit well in the summer. They're a team who it's they already did. Well. One one player is already confirmed. Uh, Lucas Mineiro from Gil Vicente is going go to go to Braga, which I yeah. think is a, a good Again. signing. Yeah, but still, they, what they need to focus will be the uh, centre backs area. Defense. Uh, another one, yeah. uh, Tiago Jogai from Bluenense is going to join his mm-hmm. brother as a as a right back. <laughs> if his brother <laughs> stays, Ricardo <laughs> might go back to to Sporting. So it will be very interesting to see that. Yeah, definitely. That so as I say, they 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 do very well at trolling around that sort of mid table and bottom half of Premier League, and then obviously looking outside of Portugal as well. So the recruitment's always on points. They're a very well run uh, establishment. So be interesting to see them straight in the group stage. They don't have to start the season early with these mad games early on. This they can sort of just focus on getting a really good pre season in, getting started in the group stages and. And hopefully representing Portugal well as the only Europa League team in the uh, in in the competition this season, and then Champions League places. So you've got Sporting, who are obviously we haven't actually touched on yet. Um, the League of Champions after nineteen years. I can't believe this is the first time we've actually. It's because we went from the bottom of the table and we've moved up. So massive congratulations to Ruben Amorim's team. Sporting have managed to pull off. Just what some people, most people would have branded the impossible. I won't go ahead and say I thought they'd win the league, but I did have a good feeling about Sporting this season. There, I said it. I said I had a good feeling about it. The first time we spoke about it was before the Benfica game. Yeah. When I came along to the Premier game and and you were already very convinced Sporting would uh, would do it. Yeah. Fair play to you. I I went through, do you know what it was? I went through an, an article. I, I put together in the first couple of months after Amorim had joined Sporting and the the, the title you can actually go on to, to Google and search it now. Um the title of it was The Kids Are Alright. And it, it basically it was like all the, the young players that had played and stuff. Um and it, yeah, it was from the back end of, of last season, I think. And the the, the the finishing paragraph was sort of like he's got the youth side of things down. If he can add a couple more of these key ingredients, and it's basically like, don't be, don't be surprised if this team go for the title next season. And just, I actually, He's I was actually visionary. reading through, it. <laughs> I was, I was reading through it because his his work at Braga was insane, was absolutely because you remember when because it was Sarpinto there before, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, he was. He was doing very well in. Europe was it, but he wasn't doing well in the league. The results were like that's how Pinto stuff. It was the yeah. same thing when he was coaching at Sporting. And then Amorim took over, and their their league form was just unbelievable. And that's because that, that was the first time I'd ever really thought like because he was he was working with the Braga youth sides, wasn't he? And then then he got obviously they paid the, the the ten million or whatever it was to to go to Sporting, and then you could see just sort of that. It was like an air of, of 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 especially everything that was going on around Sporting as well. Because to be honest, a lot of the the hard you know the ardent the hardcore fans are still like, yeah, don't don't forget. Even with this triumph, that we're still against the board, we're still against this, we're still against that. But it's it, it felt like when he came, rather than getting bogged down in the politics of the club, he was just like, I'm here to coach the team. Let's just win football matches. His, his Whatever happens upstairs. Is amazing. 
the way is he that, speaks that's, is unbelievable. Exactly. He's as good as his coaching. His, his, his press conferences, the way he deals with the media, the fact that he knew what he was coming into because you think you don't hear that much at the moment with Verandish and obviously they've had such success. Again, shout out to Sporting Club de Portugal in general, just in terms of the futsal Champions League final the other day was amazing. That comeback against Barcelona was, I'm not a futsal guy. I don't know whether that's because uh, as a as a, as a as an English person, the modalidades have never been something that we really take to in England. Um, but something that does interest me, and I watched that game, and and it had the same sort of vibe. And it, as a football match, as when he was celebrating at the end, it was like this could be the Champions League final of of a football match. Like it was the same um, thing. And then they, I think they won something else recently in they the last won couple the, of days. The the Champions League of hockey against Porto. Yeah. So the 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 they've smashed it and whatever you whatever you make of the board and everything that goes on. I just like the fact that when Amarim came in, it wasn't sort of like, yeah, everything's rosy, everything's great. You know, the club sporting of being a club who were in and out of turmoil it seems year on year. And he just came in with this just fresh approach of if you're good enough, you'll play. Uh, we'll sign players if we have to, we'll strengthen areas we can, whatever's going on off the field. That will just have to deal with itself. I'm here to win football matches. Yeah. Let's win football matches, but, and that's exactly that's exactly what he did. Yeah, even with him, is like um, the whole club changed because even something so simple, but in my view, so important, which is the way they um, communicate with fans. The social media work that Sporting has been doing this season, it's it's so so cool. Yeah, with those like you little like games they play together, the backstage stuff. It makes yeah. so simple, but makes such a big difference, especially in a year where the fans were not allowing. Yeah, and I think that was that's a good point. That, that was Colby. very, very, yeah. very important to make that connection with fans easy because obviously everyone knew um, there's a lot of people against the verandas, and if mm-hmm. in the beginning I believe as well that the fact that the fans were not allowing the stadiums helped because I think if the stadium was with thirty thousand people. Uh, booing them after the Linz game, it would it would change oh, okay. stuff for for sure. It would yeah. change because they are young players, and it was a, a heavy defeat. That at the time yeah. looked like okay, so they're going to be miles away from the pace again. So I think that made yeah. an impact. But then later as well, the it cannot be only the 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 only way I saw Sporting going because the fans the fans were not allowed in the stadium. It was not, not just because of it, but there was moments in the season that ha- that helped because there was that game. And I think one week after was the game where they won 3-1 against Jules Vicente. But they were losing 1-0 until the last 10 minutes. And they scored three goals at the end. In one week, losing against Linz and then losing this game, at um, or been losing that game at 80 minutes against Jules Vicente, would, they would not be clapping that. Because no, there was that yeah. moment there that everyone was against the team. And I think mm-hmm. even Ruben Emery, and we spoke about early, way way early in the season, which was, he uses this thing, them against us, very, very well. And, and yeah. he uses it in them the moment and he uses it during out the season with the Pelinha thing, then when he was uh, off Suspense, suspended as well. And, and, and they use that so well. And I think the way he communicates, the way the whole club talks on social media and obviously the way he coaches and manages the team is is quite, is quite impressive. 
they have to have got it spot on. And the, the social media stuff, I didn't even think of that, to be honest, but we were speaking about that. I was watching the the sporting the DNA videos or the the podcast or yeah. Which even if you're not a sporting fan, you, you enjoy that because it it's gives entertaining you, content and it gives yeah, you um, a connection with these players. Like uh, watching yeah. Nuno Santos, Nuno Santos, yes, there was one of them that went there, mm-hmm. just uh, roasting Palinho the way he dresses. You don't need to be mm-hmm. a sporting fan to be like, okay, that's funny. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. can listen to that to a, a player talking about his experience. And and that yeah. makes it so much easier to connect with them. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think it came at a really important time as well because it was perhaps the most disconnected that sporting fans have felt for for years with the club. And and obviously, as I say, the the, the stuff after what happened at Alcachet and stuff like that. But just in terms of the, the direction that the club was going in and the fact that they weren't happy with the with the owners and the, the leadership at the club and it's just the little touches like that to sort of bring everyone together and, and um Benfica are in third place. They are two games away from the group stage. Yes, they're in the Do they go straight into the, no it's no, not the no, playoff no. round. No, yeah. The third qualifier yeah third, third qualifier four games. So yeah, two fixtures, four games. So they they again, you they you know if they come up against someone that they can overcome, that's you know the that's that's not mission accomplished because the playoff round is usually there's some big big teams in there. We saw you know in the in past couple of years, I think Porto had to play. Uh, Roma a couple of years ago it yeah. knocked them out in the playoff playoff round. So there's there's big teams in there. There's some heavy hitters. So I think it's it's well, it's where the phrase comes from. It's luck of the draw, isn't it? They can manage to get a good good draw, uh, and hopefully they can come back stronger next season with because their season overall has just been a little bit a little bit flat. It looked like they were out of it at one point when they were competing with Braga for that place, and then. The, the quality came through in the end. They, they managed to sort of pull away and made it a little bit more. Um, actually, put the pressure on Porto a little bit more going going into the end of the season. So they'll be hoping for for a better campaign next season. And there's no better motivational uh, talk or motivational, you know, video that you can watch than watching Sporting lift the title and sort of parade it through Lisbon because that'll that'll fire them up. Sit through that and witness that and had to be the second club in the city for that season. They've had it for so long, their own way. This season hasn't been the case. All the media, international press uh, in Portugal, they're all talking about how good Sporting are, how good Ruben Amarim is, and it's sort of like Benfica have been a little bit of an afterthought. They don't want to be an afterthought. They want to be the main topic of conversation, not just in Lisbon, but in Portugal. So it'd be interesting to see how they come back as well. So now, what we're going to do, play a little game. Me and Aaron are going to choose five players. To, they're really impressed us this season and they might go next year to play to a better club. Or at least they should be playing for a better club <laughs> next season. Do you want to start? Yeah. So these are players. So the only rules is that they can't be playing for Sporting, Benfica, Porto. And yes. Are we including Braga yeah, in this as well? Yeah, we including Braga. Braga is a big team now. Okay. Braga is a big team. Okay, I'll start off... The obvious one to go for is uh, Ryan Gord, but we've spoken, <laughs> we've spoken, we've spoken too much about him. So we'll say Ryan Gord. We've already sort of covered him, um, and then I'm going to go with 
thinking one of the one of the two are, are passes to Ferreira. I'm gonna go with Bruno Costa. I'm gonna go who's actually been linked recently with Porto. Yeah. A return to, to Porto. So whether that's the fifth for him, I I don't know, but I do feel like he sh- he can be playing at a at a higher level. With that said, the I mean, hopefully they're playing in European competition next season, so we'll see. But he's impressed me. The the two of them have, to be honest. I mean, Passos as a, as a whole have, but him and Stefan Ustachio have both been so impressive. And it was brilliant when we were list when we were speaking to um, Pedro from from Passos, and and he was talking about sort of like them in training and what makes them in particular Stachio, what makes them different uh, stand out so there's I will have named three already um, I want to go for someone a little bit left field like someone a little bit out you can you can you can say some of yours All if right, you want cool. so mine one which is actually I then a, a starting eleven, a general one, and I put this on the on the top one, including players from the the big clubs. It was Carl Junior from Santa Clara. Ooh. What a strike! He can play a strike or coming from the from any of the wings, and I think it, it's sad about. But I think there's been rumors that they're gonna take him to Qatar or Saudi Arabia to to get some money in his pocket some money. <laughs> but, but in my eyes yeah. he could be playing for for a bigger club um maybe not top three type of level yet but i i really like him and and i think he's already the top scorer of santa clara history in the Primera Liga. and yeah and way then this season with them was was amazing so that'll be one of my names what? got a little stat for you i'm gonna i'm gonna do some um i'm gonna pull up some stuff when you say your names and then uh and then I'll be able to give a little bit of context. So, in terms of who scored, the statistical analysis website actually rank Carlos Junior as the tenth best player this there season in the Premier League. Also, he's the only player outside of uh, the big four, if we're calling them that, um, to to be in the top ten. It's uh, Sporting Porto, Benfica, Sporting Porto, Sporting, Sporting Porto, Benfica, and then Santa Clara. There's actually no Braga, so it's all just Austrian grands that are in there, and then Carl Jr. Yeah, he's got seven Man of the Match awards, uh, according to who scored, which is slightly different to Liga, because they do it based on statistics rather than the old eye test. But yeah, so Carl Jr. I've actually just thought of another one. Um, I'm going to go with Hoshinia. Oh, nice shot. He was on Hoshinia. my list as well. Well done. I'm going to go with Hoshinia. Yeah. Um, I haven't got his statistics to hand because I haven't found them on here, but <laughs> I was thinking of him before. Um, it's, it tended to be that when when they played well, it was it was sort of down to him. He was um, very influential this season. I didn't see... I mean, he's a, you know, a top talent, but there's other players in there that you would think sort of come more to the fore, and I know, like the likes of um, the likes of Marcus Edwards has had a little bit of a bit of a strange season this season in terms of managerial wise. I don't really know what's happening with him there, sort of benching him and then playing him, and then just sort of out of the you know sort of out of the the picture a little bit. But he was really impressive this season, Hoshinia and and. Um, yeah, just being really about, impressed with him. About Marcus Edward, I don't know if uh, I have a friend that's 
nephew of uh, Carlos Freitas, the former sporting director of um, Guimarães. And what yeah. he told me in January was that Edward's already going to move to uh, England next season for 20 million uh, euros. So that's why I didn't play much the rest of the season. Ah, yeah, I go for another one from Santa Clara. Only played half of season, but this one I think could be in Sporting, could be in Porto, could be go to Benfica, anywhere <laughs> he would he wants really. It's uh, Morita from Santa Mid from Santa Clara. He came straight from from Japan, and, and what a player! He can easily play in the Santa Mid in any of the the big four clubs. I'm very surprised yeah. that no one went to. No one snapped yes, them up already yeah. because. I think it was such a good deal for Santa Clara. I don't know if he's on loan or not. I, I don't even understand these deals they do with Japanese clubs. So I'll have a little look. Put him into the way. <laughs> yes, uh, so I'm not <laughs> sure if he belongs to Santa Clara. He's on loan at Santa Clara. <laughs> I, I have no idea. But whatever. He was a very good player from them. And if, he's, if he belongs to them, then then he'll make good money for sure. I'm going to go with... Um... I'm going to go with the big man, the big man up top, the big man with his nine goals and his two assists. I'm going to go with big Douglas Tank. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, yeah, he's, I, I don't think he's, he'll never play, I don't think at the, the sort of top, top level, but um, yeah, he's impressed me this season and they have as a, as a collective, that's three players from Passos now, actually, after Stachio Costa and, and, uh, yeah, but he he he's been he's been impressive. He's ranked as the twenty fifth best player this season. Again, there's still a lot of the big three that are in here. Um, uh, oh, there's Bruno Costa. He's actually thirty third. Um, yeah, there's lots of. Where's Morita? Here he is. He's fortieth statistically with a an average rating of six point nine. Um. But yeah, so yeah, probably go with him. And then I know I've already done my five, but just to mention on on this player who won't be in in Portugal next season, he'll be in France with Lille. And Gilles Gomes really started the season well. Brightly was at the heart of everything. Bovista did well. He had the match where he had a hat trick of assists, and it actually looked like it could have been a really good campaign. They fell away, and I think he has a big problem. In Ooh. my view, it lacks intensity to play at this level. Is in so, my yeah? view, I don't think he'll ever be as good as his potential could be, because I think he lacks he lacks that. And I think in a team that will demand him more work, he would struggle. I don't see him playing do at Lille th- next season. Do you think it's Do you think it's got to do with the fact that it, this is his because this is his first season in fo- in men's football isn't it like this the yeah, first yeah, first proper season in because he's he, he obviously he was at he was at united but the step up from going from playing under 18s and then under 23 football as it is in england into then playing me- actual you know men's football and say the intensity uh, uh, playing I, 90 I minutes i don't think that they'll be it because look at uh, for instance tiago tomas younger than him First season as well at uh, top level in a team that's actually fighting for the league. And um, look mm-hmm. at the, the work they do without the ball, one and the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't do that, Angel Gomez. He's not on his DNA to, to do that, to be that player. No. I actually choose a Bovista player to keep <laughs> Jardim. I think it uh, is an unbelievable goalie and he could play yeah. at a high level. 
for sure. Yeah. Then my fourth pick, it was actually a striker that I thought you were going to say it. So I'm very surprised they didn't say it, which I particularly don't really like. But to be fair, he done very well this season, so I'm going to put him in, uh, which is Bet from Portimonense. All of we spoke we about him about earlier, we? Uh, in another podcast. I don't think when he doesn't have much space, he will be so influential. So I think he would struggle in um, a big team. And there's a lot of talk, especially with with Porto. And I think he gave an interview saying he fit. Say he seems himself fitting at a uh, style of Porto play. Um, <laughs> but but. Well, he done well this season, but I, I think it would be a stretch to go to Porto. And then my last player, which is a player that I really like, and he done an amazing season. Well, not amazing season, but it was it was really good. And I think he almost moved to Vitória Guimarães halfway through, which is Tomás Ribeiro from Bolonenses, a very mm. young centre back. I think he can play yeah. than than Bolonenses. I think it was a question of minutes. Then he's moved to to Guimarães. Maybe if he went to Guimarães. Um, they they would be now celebrating being in the in the conference league. Uh, but, yeah, but, did they manage to have done yeah, it? But I think he can play easily at that level. Yeah, he's played pretty much the um, the whole season as well for someone um, sort of so so young coming into it. I think he's twenty one or twenty two, yeah. but he's he pretty much plays every week, doesn't he? I, and I, I only remember him one big all. mistake, which was the game against Sporting when he got sent off by a silly. Uh, handball. Yeah. But apart from that, every game I saw, I'm very, very, um, very yes. solid. Yeah, I think um, Leo Jardim as well. He, he's going back to Lille. He's on loan as well. I think he's a <laughs> he's a Lille player as well. <laughs> yeah, because the what did he? What's yeah, because the, the, what did he the call satellite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The satellite club. Because the owner, yeah. the, the the former owner from Lille, he bought some shares at Bovista or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that story in the so. beginning. There's been so much talent outside of of those sides this season. I mean, we've just named you know just a couple, but definitely, especially going into next season, have a look and see not just the names that we've mentioned, but have a little look through, see some of the players that perhaps don't get the plaudits that that they deserve, and and sort of monitor them because a lot of these players, some of them will go on to be, you know up there and, and play for various yeah. clubs across Europe and some of them won't but it's always interesting to sort of track a journey and see so much that uh, sort we of... even, even spoke about Mari Gonzalez from Tondela <laughs> Mari, yeah that's there's, lit, there's literally so many names yeah. who, of players who, who, who mean so much to their respective clubs as well that's what I feel like we've had this season a lot of the clubs have got that one man where you go like that's the key man and like every team's got one so you've at least got about fifteen players who, who who are so influential, and then and then there's all the rest, the support and cast. So there's been so many, um, and this has been the 2020-2021 season. Regardless of what you're making of it as a season, um, I know a lot of people are, are glad, not just in Portugal, but are glad to see the back of of hopefully what is the the last season without supporters and. Um, get back to a bit of normality. Your European Championships are coming up. That gives me a nice opportunity to plug the new series, which we revealed today on Twitter. If you saw it, um, brilliant. If you didn't, you can go and there's an article linked to the website. Myself and Philippe will be doing seven episodes, uh, seven European Championships, uh, all before the Euro starts, which is in less than a month. Um, so the episodes hopefully will be coming out bi-weekly sometimes maybe three in a week 
they will plot the European Championship starting in 1984, going right up into 2016. Each episode will be devoted specifically to that European Championship, so there'll be no overlap. It'll be like a capsule episode. Um, they'll feature bits of commentary in there, interview clips, uh, myself and Philippe talking about before the tournament, during the tournament, and after the tournament, and each episode will lead into the next, finishing finally with Adair's <laughs> heroics in France. Um, but that is something that we're really excited about. I think uh, the production of that will will um, hopefully be be something that people listen to and, and enjoy. It's pretty much all done now. It's just the the actually getting down and record the the actual main part of it. So so episode eleven or season one, however you want to describe it, is finished. It came to an end. It won't be a long hiatus because we'll be back with the European Championship stuff. But in terms of the Portuguese football show, uh, we hope that everyone has enjoyed it. We wish it would have been the full season, but we only really got the idea to do it halfway through the season. Thank you for all the support. Retweet it, like it, uh, leave a review as well, which I'm really encouraging people to do. If you've got a couple of minutes, because if you leave a review on Apple, a five-star review, the more reviews that it get, the higher it starts showing up in people's recommended who don't know anything about Prosimajonada. So if people listen to other football podcasts, it will then recommend it. Whereas at the minute we're still we're still buried, uh, we're still really deep into the uh, into the sport category because there's so many great podcasts. They've all got you know lots and lots of reviews and stuff, which helps you sort of rise to the top. So if you've listened to it. And you haven't left a review, which is you know, which is fine. Just go on there and, and, and do it if you've got 30 seconds. If you've got a mate who, who listens to it as well, um, let them know to do the same thing. So definitely do that. That would help massively. It costs nothing and and we'd be really appreciative of it. Uh, appreciative of it. Uh, and that's it from me for season one, done and dusted, Philippe. Last words. It was awesome. <laughs> and yeah, keep tuning in for the Euro podcast. It'll be really fun to do. And see ya soon. See you soon. He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Oh, what a goal Cristiano Ronaldo! Sensational! Ronaldo Silva! Smacks in City second. Here comes Eddie. Not got much help. Oh, he doesn't need any help! How about that? Portugal and tonight they've been simply magnificent champions of Europe 2016